All right, let's pray. <clears throat> Our Father God in heaven, Lord God, we, uh, we thank you for the day in which you've given us. God, we thank you for the opportunity to come into your house. God, we ask over the next few minutes as we open your word that you speak to us. Uh, God, we, we uh, rest in the fact that you have washed away our sins. And God, that, that we are no longer identified by our sins, but we're identified by the blood of Christ. So God, we ask as we, uh, we, as we come together, as we start to enter into this time of learning, um, Lord, that we can just lay all burdens aside. We lay them at your feet. We don't want to pick them back up. But God, what we ask is we can just focus on you in the next few minutes to hear from you and what you have to say and to speak into our lives. So God, we, uh, we, we submit ourselves to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You all have a seat. <clears throat> All right. How we doing? Fantastical. Fantastical, good, great. What? Scrum shoot lesson. All right. Scrum shoot lesson. All right. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to continue on where we started last week. Um, did everybody get one of uh, the leaflets from Bobby? Or not from Bobby, but <laughs> Wayne, I think, was handing them out this morning. All right. So um, turn with me to uh, Judges chapter 6. We're going to pick up kind of where we left off um, and then kind of expound a little bit more on this uh, thought and this understanding of um, w- what I believe is, uh, if you grab hold of and you listen, what I believe to be something that will change your life. Because I think too many times we live in, like we were talking a little bit last week, um, that we live in this fear. And this fear in which we live in just kind of controls our our lives. Uh, The fear of acceptance or the fear of security or the fear of significance. These fears that kind of of plague us and we think that that's how we're identified. But... um, as I told you last week, and I, and I believe over not, not only today, but uh, as we kind of, um, we'll pro- this will probably run into to next week as well, um, kind of just depending upon uh, how God takes this. Because I got a lot of stuff, but I don't think that, I don't know, we'll see. We'll see how much we get through. But what I, what I believe as we, we go through this is this little short little series, and we're talking about Gideon, and we're talking about um, the, the things that, that, that God did through him. Uh, I, I said last week, and I believe this to be true, that God has gr- something um, greater for you in store. And, and I, I termed it like this, God has created you for something greater than you. Uh, I, I want every single person to, to believe that, not just because I, I said that, um, but because it's true. If God didn't have something greater for you, uh, then you are of no use. But that's not true because you are of, of, of vital use. You are of, of great importance. So until you believe that God has something uh, greater for you and has created you for greater things, um, you're going to live in the lie of the devil and, and, and those great things aren't going to happen. 
So, uh, you know, I don't mean to start out with like the, 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 the negative aspect, but I, I think that we need to, to focus on um, the fear needs to go away. The, the, the fear needs to, 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 to run away. And I hope this week, uh, or I should say this last week, that you kind of started to identify some of those fears. Um, I don't want anybody to raise their hand or anything, but my, my, my question would be, did you identify any of those fears and what did you do about them? Uh, because if you didn't do anything about them, then uh, there are certain things that you can't be helped with then if you're not going to take what it is that is given to you. So there, there's a huge responsibility. There's, there's, there's things in which we need to do, um, but we know that it's all possible uh, because of the Spirit of God who lives inside of us as we uh, trust in Christ um, as our, our, our Lord and, and our Savior. So uh, with that, we're going to look at... Uh, um, Judges chapter 6, and last week we started out the, the, this, uh, the, the, the biblical narrative of Gideon um, and how God uh, saw Gideon and his potential, and he named him, what, 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 did, he call, uh, what did he call Gideon? The mighty man of valor, which, what, what was he doing? He was hiding at the time, right? He was down in the wine press sifting uh, his wheat, but, and, and the angel of the Lord comes and, and, and says, um, hey, mighty man of valor, you know, uh, you're going to save Israel. Well, as we'll pick up the, the, the story here, uh, we, we know that, that, that uh, the angel of the Lord says that how he's going to do this is, uh, he says, I will be with you. It says that in verse 16. Um, and, and then Gideon goes on in, in, in much like, much, you know, like the, the same fashion as, as some of us would probably do. He, he, he hears what God has to say, and then he says, oh, okay, well, just, just wait right there, because uh, um, if, this is really, if, if this is really real, I want to I, I I see if it is really real. Pinch me to make sure this is really real. Well, it, it says here, uh, verse 17, and he said to him, if, if now I have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that it is you who speak with me. Please do not depart from here until I come to you and bring, and bring out my present and set it before you. And he said that it's the angel of the Lord. I will stay till you return. And I love that because the, the angel of the Lord, we know that that's the pre-incarnate Christ. He says, I'll, you know, I'll entertain you. I look at this and, 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 I, and I see the, the patience of the Lord here. Uh, there, there's so much um, uh, steadfast love in, in, in God that sometimes in the most ir, ir, you know, ridiculous things that we say or we do, he says, okay. You know, we don't really have to go through all of this, but hey, if that's what, if that's what you want to do, then all right. So it goes on to uh, verse 19. He says, so Gideon went into his house and prepared a young goat and unleavened cakes from an ephah of flour. Uh, if you look at your notes down there, an ephah um, of flour, is, it's not a little bit of flour. It's a, a lot of bit of, of, of flour. So this, was, this takes some time. That's why you know, I, I say that. It says, then he put, um, or then meat he put in a basket and the broth he put in a pot and brought them to him under the terebinth and presented them. And the angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened cakes and put them on this rock and pour the broth over them. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord reached out the tip of his staff that was in his hand and he touched the meat and the unleavened cakes and fire sprang up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened cakes. And the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. So, all right, he brings out this offering and he, he sets this down here. 
And the, the angel of the Lord, he takes his staff and he touches it and whoosh, fire. He didn't grunt or anything, but I mean, it, that, that, that's something like when, when Gideon put it there, the, the angel of the Lord touched it and it, it vanished. And what happened right after, after it vanished? The angel of the Lord vanished. Then Gideon, like the light bulb went off, then Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. Oh my, he had that aha moment. And Gideon said, Alas, O Lord, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace be to you. Okay, remember, angel of the Lord vanished, but the Lord's still speaking to him. But the Lord said to him, Peace be to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is Peace. To this day, it still stands at Ophrah, which belongs to the Abizarites. Okay, a little bit of context there. Um, the reason that the Lord said to uh, Gideon that you will not die, it was thought that, that um, anybody who sees the face of the Lord uh, by the, the, the Jewish people, that they would immediately die. Well, what, what is true about that is um, God in all his glory cannot see and cannot be in the presence of sin. But what we have to understand is remember who, which person of the Trinity this was. This was who? Jesus, the pre-incarnate Christ. So he came, he did see the face of the Lord, but he saw the face of, of Jesus. And we know that Jesus came and he walked amongst us. So he's like the, we can look at that as like the buffer. So here, uh, uh, the Lord is saying to, giving the assurance to Gideon, like, okay, you're not going to die. You're okay here. You know, take, take a, a rest assured. And then after all of this takes place, which is a lot if you, if you think about this. Remember where this all started. It all started with him cowering in a wine press and then him being named the mighty man of valor and being told that he's going to save Israel. And then the angel does this miraculous work. And then he, poof, he does his, you know, David Copperfield out of there, whatever. And then he's left there alone. And the first thing he does when he's left there alone after all of this takes place is what? Anybody? He worships. He worships. It says here that, that, um, that he built an altar there to the Lord. Why is that so important? Well, if you remember how we started out the, this whole biblical narrative here, this whole story was, it says that the, that the, the, uh, the, the, the people of Israel, look, you, you can cheat. Turn right back to, to uh, the beginning of the chapter. It said the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. This was not a common practice at this time. There was a time in which the, the, the practice of uh, sacrificing to God did not happen. Actually, there was something else going on, uh, something uh, very uh, the opposite, the sacrifices that were being made. The sacrifices were being made to uh, Baal and Asherah, and what we're going to see, about, see you know, a little more about that in a second. But what, what Gideon did, what he, he met with God, he, he encountered God, and he reacted because of that encounter with God. My question is, like, how many times do we, have we had that encounter with God, but we don't react as if we had an encounter with God? We've got to ask ourselves that. Well, you know, well, God didn't, like, show up to me and just disappear. No, but we encounter God every time we, we, we meet with him in prayer and in, in, in reading of his, his word. How are we then reacting to that? Here, uh, Gideon makes it, um, 
I'm trying to figure out earlier why my pages were sticking together. I think it's because I've been spitting in there. <laughs> I need a waterproof Bible. Um, but getting here, he reacts to his encounter with God. And I love this because it says that night. So immediately following all of this, that night, the Lord said to him, take your father's bull, <laughs> not his, no, not his, his father's bull, his animal, take the, your father's bull and the second bull, seven years old, and pull down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the Asherah that is beside it and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of the stronghold here with stones laid in due order. Then take the second bull and offer it as a burnt offering with the wood of the Asherah that you shall cut down. So pause there. So that night, God uh, speaks to him. The Lord speaks to him and says, here's what I want you to do. And, and I, I love this because remember, um, God told, uh, told him a little bit ago, through, you know, the angel of the Lord told him, you're, you're a mighty man of valor. You're going to save Israel. And Gideon says, well, if that's true, then you do something. Well, I look at this like, okay, now God's saying, I, I did this. Now you're going to do this, and, and you're going to see that uh, you're going to save Israel. But what he had to do before he could save Israel was something that, that I think that every single one of us, we need, to, um, we need to take hold of, and we need to make personal because he says here that you to take your father's, uh, your father's two bulls. You're to go and you're to tear down the altar of Baal. So to give you a little bit of background of, of the altar of Baal, what, what, who is Baal? Or some people say Baal. What we need to understand, he, that, that Baal was the, um, the, the god of, of the people, of the, uh, the people of that land. Not a real god, a false god. He was a, a fertility god. So they figured that if they, they, they sacrificed to this fertility God, that they would have, you know, better crops and, uh, you know, better uh, reproduction among themselves. And everything comes from this, this, this fertility God. But it, just to make sure that they covered all their bases, not only did they have the, uh, the, 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 uh, the fertility God, the, the, male as, the male aspect, the Asherah, which is the, the, like the female aspect of uh, the, the Canaanite fertility god, was that, that the Shira pool, pole. Uh, we would think like, kind of like a totem pole. All right? So when he, they says to you know, tear down the, the altar bale, you can think about the, an altar being built. They would lay stuff up on top to sacrifice it. But when you look at the, the, the Asherah pole, it's something, it's, it's a, like a statue that would be, uh, you know, would be erected. And, and he says, okay, tear down, tear down the, 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 the altar and, and pull down the pole. Take down the pole. So when, when they're looking at this, he, he's saying, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take what, what, what the, the, uh, all of the people, because they're doing what is evil inside of the Lord, I want you to take what, what they're doing, what they're worshiping, and I want you to, to, to get rid of this. I want you to step out against everybody else, because it said the people of Israel were doing what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Everybody was serving the Baals, and they were serving the Asherah. And God says to Gideon, here's what I want you to do. I want you to tear them down. 
When God makes that, that clear, um, that summon, summoning or summonsing of an individual or a clear command to an individual, we, in our understanding, um, now, you know, 21st century and all this good stuff, in our biblical Christianese talk, we call that a calling. A calling. So God has placed a calling upon uh, the life of Gideon. And the calling first was, you're going to save the, the, uh, the, the nation of Israel, the people of Israel. And then his, his other calling here, multiple callings, we'll talk about that in a second, is here's how you're going to start to, to do that. If you're, if you're taking, your, uh, taking notes here, you're filling in the blanks here. The first one is God's potential for you is made manifest in his calling for you. Remember, we're talking that God sees you in your potential. When is that made manifest? To make manifest is to, to make known or to, to, to make understood, to make visible. So God's potential for you is made manifest in his calling for you. His calling here for uh, Gideon was, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to tear this stuff down, which leads into the next, the next fill in there. Idols must be tore down. Idols must be tore down to effectively follow God's calling. Idols must be tore down to effectively follow God's calling. Notice when, when he, he says here, God has already placed the calling on Gideon's life that you're going to save Israel. But God makes it perfectly clear, okay, there's some work we need to do here. Before Israel can be saved, the idols have to be removed. This was not popular. Look what it says. Verse 27. So Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had told him. But because he was too afraid of his family and the men of the town to do it by day, he did it by night. He did it, right? But he was, still, he was still a little afraid. I, I look at this, and I think that this is kind of, the, 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 the true colors of Gideon are still kind of permeating through. I don't believe um, that, 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 that we look, when we look at this, that we see that the, the true um, um, full spirit of God working in, in Gideon yet. What I think this is, and this is kind of my own speculation here, but I think that as we read this text, this is God building the confidence of Gideon to trust in him. Even though he was still a little bit afraid, he's like, okay, I'm afraid, but you know what? I'll, I'll do what God wants me to do, but you know what? Maybe I'm, just gonna, I'm gonna do it on my terms. I'll, I'll do it at night. Okay, I'm gonna go do it at night. And he comes back and he did it. So some of us live in that where um, God's telling me to do this. I'll do that, but I got to do it my own way. Well, glory doesn't go doesn't doesn't come to to God when we take in take what He tells us to do and do it our own way. I, I look at this as a little little bit of a test here. We see that the Gideon's still not fully bought into what's going on. I think there's a pivotal moment in. in um, in all this, in, the, in the, the, the verses here to come, that we can see where this all really comes to head, where, this, uh, where, where um, the mighty man of valor is really uh, um, finally accepted. 
Look at 28. It says, When the men of the town rose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was broken down, and the Asherah beside it was cut down, and the second bull was offered on the altar that had been built. And they said to one another, Who has done this thing? And after they had searched and inquired, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. Then the men of the town said to Joash, Bring out your son, that he may die. For he has broken down the altar of Baal and cut down the Asherah beside it. So because of what, what Gideon did, was he, um, was he like voted most, you know, most likely to succeed? Most popular? Most congeniality or whatever they call that? No, he was hated because the, the, the idols in which they worshipped, he removed those idols. He removed those idols. Now, some of us will sit here and say, um, well, that was in, the, I, I get it, you know, there's idolatry in the Old Testament, and, but we live now, there's no such thing as idols in 21st century, you know, a, a America. Don't, don't, don't fall into that, 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 that lie. Let, let me give you real quick what, what um, idolatry is. Idolatry is the worship or adoration of anyone or anything other than God. One more time. The worship or adoration. What is that? Adore. How much are you going to adore something of anyone or anything other than God? How, how, do, how can we come about that? Well, we have to understand that God is a jealous God. God does not share his glory with anyone or with anything. He's the only one that can do that because he's fully righteous. So it's not as if he's standing up there and he's like vindictive. No, he's the only one who deserves all worship. As we understand this, this idolatry, what we have to ask ourselves, you know, well, I don't have a bay, an altar to Baal, or I don't have an Asherah pole in my, my, my house, or I don't, have, you know, I don't have a Buddha doll or anything. That's not what idolatry is. Remember, anything or anyone... Anything or anyone that is worshipped or adored more than, than God can fall in a huge category. It can go, you know, in the large spectrum from your job, your career, your um, fantasy football team. I know it's over and everything, but um, your, your sports, your kids. It can be anything. Anything you adore more than God, that's idolatry. And when we're looking at this and we're talking about, so these, these idols have to be torn down. I'm not saying that you go and you sacrifice your kids. No. Some of you might want to sometime. Um, but no, that's not what I'm saying there. The, the, the idol has to be torn down. God has to be put into the place of worship. He's got to be uh, the one that is preeminent above everything else in, in, your, in your life. That's what it means to, to, to tear it down. So if we're going to tear down the idols, that's the, the first uh, um, uh, step in following and being effective in the calling in which God has for you. You have to tear it. We have to tear it down. You know, as I, as I was getting this all together, and um, actually I was just kind of like laying in bed last night thinking about, you know, if I'm going to talk about these idols, you know, these people are going to hate me because I'm going to talk about things that are near and dear to their heart, and they're going to say, well, yeah, you know, you're just a crazy preacher. Yes, true. But what we have to understand 
is that we all have the, 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 these, uh, these idols in our life. Because uh, uh, one of, the, you know, one of the, 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 those great uh, dead white guys said um, that the, the heart is an idol factory. Well, we're created to, to want to, to worship something. The problem is we worship the wrong thing and the wrong one. For me, as I was thinking, I was like, okay, I got to give some kind of um, uh, an example so, you know, I'm not, they, they don't think that I'm like being holier than thou and speaking down. No. So an idol of mine uh, that, that I would, you know, Shannon and I have talked about this is security. Like uh, in, in the sense of like um, a financial or material security. Some of you would think, well, that's not a bad thing. We're, we're supposed to prepare for a future and everything. Yeah, th- th- that's true. And I'm not saying that we, you know, we give all our money away and we just, you know, we're, we're to be poor and everything. No. But for me, I can, I can fall into um, the, 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 the groove of making decisions um, that, that will better benefit my, my, my security than my walk with Christ. That's an idol. Well, we, we have to understand that, that, that what, like what I'm, I, I need to understand there, what I'm doing is I'm putting my faith and my security in the stuff, um, whatever it may be, and not putting my faith in God. That's got to be tore down. And, and I'll tell you this, I'll go out on the limb even further to say that sometimes these idols are resurrected in our lives and we have to tear them down again. As soon as we tear them down, we need to make sure that we don't uh, allow it to creep back in and uh, it to be built back up. Because if it is, what we need to do, we got to tear it down again. And then we got to tear it down again. The, 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 the goal is to uh, progress far, far enough where we, we're not um, continually building up the, 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 these idols in our lives. But what we have to do is we have to be aware that this happens. So don't think that like you oh, identified this idol in my life, oh, got rid of it, all is good. No, understand that, that, that it, is, it, it was an idol. Don't live in that past, but be on guard of that. And if it happens, if you got to tear it down again, tear the sucker down again. Because what we don't want to do is say, God, I'm going to go with you. Well, I'm going to do whatever you want me to do. You're calling me to do this, okay, and, but you have a whole bunch of idols behind you that you're dragging along. I don't understand why I'm not effective in the calling which God has put on my life. Well, you, because you've you got a whole boatload of stuff that you're dragging along, this idol, all these idols with you, whatever they may be. I'm talking a lot about calling, and I, and I think that, that, that some of you are kind of, I'm looking at faces and you're like, well... I don't know, I don't, I, don't, I don't get this whole calling thing. I hear it all the time, but I don't, I don't get it. Well, an authoritative summons, okay, just think about this. A calling is an authoritative summons to participate or be present or to take part in something. So, so, so think about this. What is it that is authoritative? And we're talking about the calling on God in your life. What is authoritative uh, that, that God has called you that has uh, said, okay, this is what I want you to participate, or this is what I want you to be present, or this is what I want you to take part in? The God said, not, not what everybody else says. Hey, you need to do this. And you, no, no, no. What did God say? Because when we understand this, I, I think that we can kind of get on, get on the, the right mindset and we, to, to, to live a, a, a uh, more effective, fuller life in Christ. The number, number uh, what's that, the third, the, the third fill in there, it says, when God calls, 
So when God calls and puts his calling on your life, when he calls, he gets the glory. Let that sink in. When he calls you to do something, God calls you to do something so that he can get the glory. Now, are there, are there good things that come out of callings? Absolutely. But God doesn't call you to do a ministry or to do um, a, a work or to do an occupation or a vocation or something like that so that you can get the glory. If you say, well, God's called me to this for, so I can get this, and that's not God calling you. That's the devil. The devil's going to lie to you. He's going to speak a language that sounds a lot like God. But what we have to focus on is in that calling, who's getting the glory? God has to get the glory because if God doesn't get the glory, that's not a calling from God. That's hard for some people because they think that, well, this is a good work. Absolutely it's good. But you're getting all the glory in it. That's That's not of God. The, the, the devil's going to take good things and mask them so they look like God things. But if God's not getting the glory, that's not a calling from God. That's not an authoritative summons to be, participate in something that is from the Almighty. When we talked last week, we said that God's children living in this potential brings glory to God. This potential of God's calling on your life, this does bring glory to God. As Gideon, uh, as the story of Gideon continues on, you know, his, his life is in danger here because um, his, uh, you know, the people, they, they, just, they, they wanted to kill him because they, they, he, he tore down what they, they, they worshiped. Look at 31, it says, But Joash said to all those, or all who stood against him. Remember, Joash is part of the, the people of Israel, okay? It's his dad, but remember, he was doing evil in the sight of, of the Lord. It's actually even thought that um, Joash was a priest of, 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 of Baal and was like kind of heading up this uh, worship. Because it says that, you know, take down your, take your father's bull and, and pull down the altar that your father has. Like, they, they, it's, it's thought by, by, by some theologians and scholars, like, his dad wasn't just some dude that was doing bad things. His dad was like a, 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 a um, you know, a priest in the, the, this cultish, in, 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 in this, uh, this religion. Look at the change of heart that Joash, Joash has here. He says, will you contend for Baal or will you save him? Whoever contends for him shall be put to death by morning. If he is a God, let him contend for himself because his altar has been broken down. Did did you see what happened there? Joash, it's thought to be the the, the priest of of Baal and and of this Asherah, he's now saying like, you know what? crap, I got it wrong. He had something change in him because of the obedience of his son. Why do I say that? Well, because I I think that it's important that you see when you follow a calling that God has set on your life, it's going to affect those around you. Sometimes it'll affect those who are closest to you. Did Gideon know that his dad was going to turn from uh, uh, worshiping Baal to now be one who stands and says, okay, wow, um, Gideon's serving the, 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 the real God. I don't think that went through Gideon's head. He was scared. Remember saying he was scared of his family. 
Man, what's dad going to think? Well, what dad thinks is like, dad was wrong. It goes on there to say, Therefore on that day Gideon was called Jerubbabel, which that is, or that is to say, let Baal contend against him because he broke down his altar. This change of heart happened. This, this call that, that, that God put on Gideon's life, that, that, that Gideon followed, it changed the people around him. It goes on here to say that now all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east came together and they crossed the Jordan and camped in the valley of Jezreel. Um, if you ever want to do a study, do a study of the valley of Jezreel. Lots of stuff happens there. So it says that they camped and camped in the valley of Jezreel. So the, the Midianites, the Amalekites, and the people from east of the Jordan, lots and lots and lots of people, tens of thousands if not upwards to 100,000 uh, people, enemies, soldiers came and were pressing in on the, 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 uh, the, the, the people here of Israel. And, and this is where I think that one of the, the, the turning points happens, or if not the turning point. Verse 34, but the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon. Just think about that for a second. He, he was called to save Israel. He didn't really believe it. But hey, you're a mighty man of valor. Go in your might to, to, to save Israel. Yeah, but if, I'm, if I am, here, here, why don't you do this for me first? And then you know, the Lord does it. And then the Lord said, okay, here's the deal. Now what you need to do is you need to, before you're going to save Israel, you need to tear down the idols. So Gideon had to be obedient to step out to tear down the idols. To follow after this calling. And after the idols were torn down, it says that the Spirit of the, Lord, of the Lord clothed Gideon. It means what it says. Covered. You know, we're all here, thank you Jesus, are clothed. It says the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon. And when the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon, it said he sounded the trumpet and the Abizrites were called out to follow him. The dudes who wanted to kill him because they tore down his, the, the idols now were following him. And not only that, it says he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, and they, they too were called out to follow him. And he sent, out, or he sent messengers to Ashur and Zebulun and Naphtali, and they went up to meet them. He's following God's calling, and because he's following God's calling... People are following after him. I think that that's important as we, as we think about this, this calling. If God's getting the glory, yet will people follow after you in, in the calling in which you are, or that God has placed on your life? Maybe, if that's what the calling is. But they're really not following after you. They're following after God. It's kind of one of those things when, when people talk, you know, outside of the church, talk about, you know, you, uh, you know what we're doing inside here, and, you know, you, you're doing a great thing and everything. Well, here's the deal. The, the people here aren't following after me. I'm just helping direct them to follow after God. Yes, God put a calling on my life, but my calling on my life is to direct you all to him. And, and part of that calling to be effective is, yeah, I got I to gotta tear down idols. Every single one of you in here, all of us have to tear down those idols. So we can effectively follow after the calling which God has put on our life. If we are not willing to tear down idols, identify idols and tear down idols in our lives, we cannot say, I'm following after God. 
What you're doing is you're trying to like sit on the fence. I want, I want both. Jesus didn't die on the cross so we can sit on the fence. Now, now you know, this doesn't mean everybody has to be super religious and, and has to go off the deep end. But what that means is you, that, that you, you need to put him, him, Christ, center in your life. He, he needs to be the one that, that, that dictates what you do. That you, and, and I say that because when he's the one that, that dictates what you do, you will not operate in fear. You're not going to operate for, well, I don't want to, you know, this person's going to say this and that person's going to do this and this is going to happen. No, there, there's no fear when you're operating in Christ. Because it says perfect love drives out all fear, right? We've read that before. Where does perfect love come from? Christ. Perfect love drives out all fear. Don't continue to live in that fear. Don't live in the wine press. Don't, don't, don't operate in there. God's called us to greater things. He's created us for greater things. For sake of time, we're going to stop right there. I got a whole bunch more. that I, Next week, here's what I want to talk to you about. The, 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 the theological effects. So if you, if you look at the bottom of your, your handout there, there's three things that we're going to talk about next week. Because I believe without a doubt that as a child of God, God has placed at least, I said at least, not only, but at least two callings on your life. As a child of God, God has placed at least two callings on your life. And the problem is, most of you only know about one and are afraid of the, 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 the second. But what we're going to do is we're going to unpack that all next week and see what, the, what it looks like to understand and to identify what the, the callings are that God has placed on your life. So in the meantime, let's end with the, the, the truth that God has created you for something greater than you. And that God has placed something in, your, in, in you to do something greater than that you can even imagine And as that weird guy on the water boy said over and over and over and over again, maybe he was a theologian, I don't know. You can do it, right? But you can do it because the Spirit of God is in his children. So let's pray. Our Father God, we thank you, Lord. We love you, God. We ask that we can operate in the potential which you've given us. That that your that our potential for that you've given us is manifest through the calling which you've placed on us. God, let us not over spiritualize everything. Let's let us look at what it is that you want us to do, so that, that, that your name can be great. That the all glory can go to you. So God, as we uh, have uh, just kind of abruptly ended at, at this, this good um, markings or stopping point, God, I ask that everything we talked about, this, this calling aspect, or maybe it's new for some, that that will just start, start to um, just turn and, and create some, some more curiosity and like, what is my calling? What am I supposed to do? What, am, what, what has God authoritatively uh, told me to take part in, participate in, and, and do? And so, God, my, my prayer is that. And then next week, as we finish all of this up, uh, I, I pray that we can just solidify and see that uh, what you call us to do, you equip us as well. So, Father, we, we give you all of the glory. God, we, we want to praise you in everything we do. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.